Welcome everybody to another episode of Found Purpose. I'm your host, Cortland Fields. Let's get into it. Today, for the first time ever, I have all of my children with me. We're going to start the interview off with them, and they're going to interview me. This is going to be pretty exciting, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and they will take over. All right, let's get into it. I'm Amaya. I'm the youngest in the group, currently pre-K teacher. And yeah, we're just here to interview this great guy today. We're going to see how it goes. Oh, Curtis. I'm Curtis Fields. I am currently in the United States Air Force as a logistics log planner. And on the outside, I am a Delta ramp agent. I'm not staying long. I'm just here to say congratulations on the book. Currently deployed at the moment, so I got to be on the move. So congratulations on the book, and I hope everything goes well. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming in with the introduction. I love you, son, and be safe. You hear me? Yes, sir. Thank you. Later, guys. Bye. Now we have the oldest. I'm Tashana. I am a small business owner and content creator. And yeah, that's me. And congratulations on your book. <laughs> okay. Y'all always think it's easy, but it's different when you got an interview family. There's mm. a lot of giggles and stuff like that. So it's like, we got to tap into ourselves and get into our mode. I want to thank both of you for doing this because it's hard to get someone genuine that knows you as a person and that been around you to do an interview. So I want to start every season off with my children because the views was crazy with Father's Confession. That was like the biggest one. So I was like, you know what? They really want to hear you all versus not hearing me. So it's like that whole thing of that whole camaraderie of that questions I had with dick stuff. So it was like pretty good. Okay, well, congratulations once again. 2023 has been a very open and life-changing year for you, not only with your book, Hating to Love My Life, but also with your short film, Resilience. And I just want to touch on how did the process and coming about and just putting your life in the light for others to see make you feel it, to see how far you come and where you are now. Actually, what happened is, is that right, I've always been a, a creative person. I could always do content. Ever since I was little, I was the youngest out of four. So there's like an eight, nine, ten year gap. So I always had to play by myself. So that imaginary stuff, being a superhero stuff, I guess that was like the stepping stone of trying to create or learning how to create things in my head just to keep myself busy. And I just come up with these stories. But when we get to school, and this is the funny part, well, junior high school, high school, you had to learn how to type. And we didn't have that stuff where you dictated stuff like that. So I didn't know how to type. I would be a pecker. So I stopped. I didn't like writing. And I hated so much that I didn't realize that anytime I had any type of emotional problems or anytime stuff was going, I was an emotional writer. So I would take like stuff on scrap paper, scrap, and I would just write stuff that I would think about and create in my head and just write it down on how I felt. And long story short, Years passed. So you talk about stuff that started from junior high school all the way to present, where I was just completely writing and did not know I was doing this. And then when the pandemic hit and Gigi told me to come get my stuff out of her house, looked in the folder, I was like, wow, I have all this stuff. And I started remembering like when I was writing what emotion I was going through and everything else. So I summed it all up in five books. This is the first book of five. So my next question is, because just seeing you 
go from like the military to now pursuing your dreams and stuff like that. I know you said with the pandemic and going on, you had the feeling of, okay, it's time to put stuff on paper, put it out there, push it out. What type of advice can you give someone that has the talent, but is still struggling to see their worth and their talent and just taking that risk or that next step to put their all into it? Because, you know, with me, I went to school for art and all that stuff. And I've always been told I'm good. But it's just like, I've always been in a position where I can see it, but then I always contradict myself and be like, no, I'm okay. So what type of advice do you give someone who is capable of doing a lot and getting out of that position of self-doubt, I would say? That is an excellent question. And it's very difficult because when you have self-doubt, because when you put yourself out there, you're being vulnerable. It's like, this is something you created. And when you have been told no before and that first no and that rejection, nobody likes rejection, but we have to fall in love with being told no. Okay. And it's just, okay, you told me no. It doesn't mean I ain't good enough. It just means I can improve. Failing to me is not failing. I shouldn't do this anymore. Failing to me is like, okay, there's improvement. You always want to improve yourself. So when you have that self that you know you're doing something, it's a hobby. Take a chance because that's the only way you're going to build your confidence. Be around people that promote you. Don't discourage you. People that's genuinely going to give you advice and tell you, no, that sucks. No, this is good. Like, I remember doing Smokey Robinson and mm-hmm. he was like, Dad, no, I didn't get it. And that was genuine because this has come from my daughter who has nothing to gain from this. So for you to tell me I was doing something wrong, it hurt my feelings. But again, I took your criticism. I was like, okay, how can I improve this? Because if my daughter's not getting it, she's being open and honest with me and she wants me to succeed, then I need to take that and build from it. So it encouraged me to do better. It's difficult because you're always going to have self-doubt. You're always going to doubt yourself. Even when a celebrity is putting out a new album or something like that, they don't know how it's going to do or how it's going to resonate. So they are very nervous. So they're always going to be self-doubt. But you got to remember, you're doing this. And if you love it, they'll love it. So always do what you love, because if you're doing what you love, nine out of 10, there's a couple of few other people that loves what you're doing too. And that's what encouraged me to do the books, because if I'm going through all this, somebody else has to be going through all this. And if I'm feeling this way, and it's like for men, we don't have that outlet to show emotion because we're always taught not to be emotional not to show emotion and it makes it very hard for women to deal with us because we are not being emotional we're not being vulnerable we're not being trusting so for five years i had to like really get myself together and some of this stuff is coming from junior high school it's like life is a full circle i never knew it'll be coming back to this i never knew i would be writing poetry so it was far from anything so to come back and to realize what i was going through and the hurt that i experienced and the pain that was And then hearing other people as I'm in the military going through certain things, hearing your family members going through certain things and don't know how to deal with things. You can't expect your family to get better if you can't get better. So I was encouraged to get better because I didn't want y'all to look at me as a failure. And that is the truth. Like, I didn't want y'all all to look at me as a failure. So I had to get myself right. This is what a man is supposed to be. This is how you treat a woman. This is how you be present in the moment. So you all was my greatest inspiration. Can I ask, what do you feel that you failed at? Like I said, failing was only improvement. And 
Elaborate that in business-wise, father-wise. He said you didn't want us to feel like you were a failure. So what is it that you feel like we were looking at that we may have thought you were failing at? Or is it just like in general, everything, like life, you were failing at life? For you all, as a father, I didn't want to go further because it's like you all seen what me and your moms went through. So it's like, you know what? I need to fix that within myself because it wasn't a her issue. It was a my issue. And when you don't fix you, it's different. And that's what I felt, that I felt not being present, not being open, not compromising. That was a failure. But I improved. And to show you the progression, he was there. He was a bad person. He was this type of person. But do you see the growth? Do you see what he's doing now? So I feel like I am a better person. And I take responsibility for my actions. Like, it's nobody's fault but my own. And that's the first thing that I had to realize that I felt by not accepting accountability for my actions. So, yeah. So would you say that from the trauma in the past, do you have moments where you still feel guilty of things that you couldn't do or things that didn't happen the way you wanted it to? Or have you accepted it, gave it to God, and now you're trying to be better and just letting it be that way. So when I had my nervous breakdown in 2017, I didn't realize how much baggage I was holding on to from childhood and everything else. And this stuff like creeps up on you. So I didn't realize it. So for the five years that I was rebuilding myself, because I had to go into a mental hospital, the outpatient care, which I was very secretive about because in society, a Black man going into doing mental health work is like looked at as weak. Mm. But it's one of the best things that I ever did in my life because I feel that in schools, they should teach you emotions. I feel like emotions should be taught in, I feel like as soon as you get to school, you should be taught what your emotions are. Billy hurt me. Hey, Oscar, you hurt my feelings. Those little words says a lot. You may give it like, oh, I hurt your feelings. And, but it's like, when you really think about it, it resonates with the person and go, you hurt my feelings. I hurt their feelings. And so you told this person that they hurt your feelings. But if we're taught that when we're young, because we don't know what the emotions we're going through, but if we're taught our emotions when we're younger and how to deal with it and how to express, there will be less outbursts, there'll be less tension tantrums, there'll be less anxiety, there'll be less overwhelming, there'll be less thinking in our head of, are we good enough? There'll be less school shootings because now we know how to express ourselves. So I think from my past, that's what should have happened. But to go back and answer your question, I let it go. I accept it each and every last part. It was very difficult, it was very hard because I went through each and every last trauma mm -hmm. that ever resonated that was bothering me. And I had to forgive because the one thing that we don't understand is that you don't know what you're going through. Tashana, you don't know what you're going through. It's like, this is your first time living. This is your first life. You wasn't given a book. So it's like, you don't know. But if we don't communicate and talk and have these open discussions, well, how would someone know? It's like, yeah, I'm your dad, but how do I know what's bothering you if you never communicate? If I'm asking you what's wrong and you say nothing, but clearly there's something wrong, how will I know? So a lot of times I took the responsibility and I accepted my accountability because my parents did ask me what was wrong. And I said, nothing. That's my fault, not theirs. Even though you want your parents to know everything, but they knew something was wrong. Yeah, they did. That's why they asked you what was wrong because they knew something was wrong. But you chose to say nothing. And that was my fault. 
the one thing I try not to do no more, and I was taught a very valuable lesson. Anytime my child comes to me and say they have a problem, big or small, I'm going to listen. I'm really going to sit there and listen and work it out because the way I see things and the way they see things are two different views, two different generations. And it's like, I may have got through this, but you didn't get through this. But how would my mother and father know that if they wasn't taught? They came from a broken household. So a broken household coming to another broken house, having children, now your children are broken because they only know what you learned. So I'm stopping that chain right here, right now. So it's like, you know what? I'm gonna let my kids know that I'm getting help. It is okay to get help. I don't know everything. And we're gonna talk about this openly because maybe I do have some good ideas. And parents need to listen to their children. Children need to listen to their parents. They need to talk and have that communication. Mm -hmm. I wanna talk about the title a little bit because my first impression was when I'm reading the title, I think to myself, like, hating to love my life. Life is supposed to be something that we do love because it's a gift, right? But it's hard to love it. You're constantly facing adversity. So is that kind of your mindset behind the title? Or like, how did you come up with hating to love my life? So hating to love my life is, I actually hated my life. That's why I attempted to commit suicide because I did hate my life. But then you start meeting people, younger men, even my sons and my friends and my cousins. It's like, wow, y'all going through stuff that I've been through already. And I started sharing, hey, when somebody have a problem, like I can empathize with them. It was because of my experience in the past. I found that my experience in my past started being my healing medicine for someone else because I was able to talk to them and say, hey, I could get through it, you could get through it. And just encourage them and let them know that I'll be here for you if you need somebody to talk to because I know how difficult it could be. So hating to love my life is like, I'm hating that I have to love the life that gave me so much pain. So, hating to love my life. That's how it's ever came. How would you go about wanting to do something but you know you're not good? If you know it's something that you have been struggling with and you're trying to overcome it or perfect it, what would you do instead of looking like, oh, I'm not good at this, so I should stop? Look at other people that are better than me, that does this for a living, because I learn from them. It's like, oh, they got this and so we can hang out together because we're going to level up. So go and find something or someone or YouTube, Google's your friend and find out how to be better at it. Like if somebody's telling you something and they have nothing to gain from hurting you or anything else, listen to the advice. It's like, have you ever did something? It's like, no, that's not good. That's perfect. But somebody else saying something like, you know, why don't you just do the transition from here and how that will look over here and see how that will work for you. And you're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. It will resonate with you because the way they say they tone is, has that concern, that caring. Do you know you could do this easier? Never think that you're better than someone because there's always gonna be somebody better. There's always gonna be something out there you can learn, times are changing. So never have that in your mind that I'm better than someone else. So another poem that I would like to touch on is the one that is called Not Meant to Be. It reads, the escape of the day is what is anticipated, the hurt that one of the few causes for the betterment of their behalf. The ocean breeze heals the lonely cries as if they know my pain. It is with my heart I cry, it is with my love I cry, it is with my soul that dies, the ocean breeze fades me, for you will always be with me. And the last line I highlighted was, a dad to you was not meant to be. When you wrote that, can you tell us what you were going through at the time and what this poem means? 
to you. Yes. So your mom, she just had you. Mm -hmm. You were premature and shortly after, and it was difficult for her to carry you. Your mom was like always sick. I don't know if you remember this, Tashana, how sick Tisha was, like always laying down and, and everything. Like she couldn't really do so much because she was anemic. Shortly after, she had got pregnant again, and we were scared because of what she went through with you. Would she be able to carry the child? Because it was like a decision I had to make: save the baby or save Tisha. And that was the hardest decision that me and mom had to like really make. If it's difficult, it's like I wanted more children. She wanted more children, but it was like she just couldn't hold it. And I already knew what I was going through, but what she was going through, I felt what she was going through. I seen it, what she was going through. As she was in the doctor's office, I was outside. And that's when I wrote that poem. So it was not meant to be. Well, we definitely can feel the pain within the book as we go through your life. And another poem that I want to touch up on is Can't Find Love. One verse that I highlighted was, I tried to call, but my love wouldn't answer. I tried to find it, but it was not lost because I never had it. I thought I loved maybe twice in my life, but that ended in divorce, so I couldn't, it couldn't have mattered. And then I highlighted down and it says, oh, wait, who is this? Oh, it's you. Come in love and tell me why you matter. So with all that, despite like all the stuff you was going through with the our mom, the stuff you went through, was the love that you've been looking for all along, was it self-love? So Can't Find Love, I started that poem in high school. I never finished it. And so when I was doing a book and everything and I was reading it and I was like, oh, because it was like something with a beeper or something like that. I was like, nobody gonna get that. But tapping back into that emotion after reading, I was like, oh can't find love. And that's how it came up with, I thought I found it twice in my life, but that couldn't matter because I ended in divorce. So self-love, yes. You cannot love nobody. It is impossible for you to love someone if you don't know how to love yourself. When you love someone that loves themselves internally, yeah, that's what I want. Now, my last question is about the third to last poem in the book and it's called Surviving. And I want to ask you about it because it was the only poem that were in all caps. So I just want to get your take on what that was and why was it the only poem that was print like that? I was going to try to kill myself. That's when I had thoughts. But that's what writing does to me. It's like when I'm writing it out and I'm seeing it on paper, everything is so hard at the beginning. And at the end, it's like I find this spiritual gift from God telling me not to do it because I'm writing it out. Me writing it out is better than me acting it out, if that makes sense. So me writing it, I was angry. And it's so funny that how I felt, how life is such a full circle because it is, resonates to today, how I had a nervous breakdown. And it goes back to no one can help me win, not with this fear in my heart. And it's my fear. And it's like crying out to Lord, God, please don't help me fall apart. It's like I was literally sitting there crying my ass off because I was like, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to destroy myself. I'm going to end it right now because I can't do this. This is too much. And you get these voices or spiritual, your angel, your guardian angel. The moment you ask for help, the moment you know 
the higher being is talking to you. I'm putting you through this because I need you to learn something. Whatever it is, it was just something that spoke to me. And I thought about everyone that time, even now, that has done wrong to me. Because when you're nice, people take advantage of you until you stand up for yourself. Then you're the meanest person in the world. And that was like, you know what? I'll tell you this. I will be the last bird standing tall and strong. I am not going to give you the satisfaction to see me fall. Because I feel like if I do something to myself, you win. It's like, I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. But you want me to kill myself? You know what I mean? It's like, nope. You want me to be crazy? Nope, I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. And that's why that foundation that Gigi laid, make sure you're good at it. For anyone that ever hurt you, for anyone that has ever did anything wrong to you, and this is what I tell you as my children, you make sure you're so good in life and you don't have to be rich, but you make sure you're so good at life that when they see you, that vibration is so high and they look at you like, how the hell? Because nobody could take that from you. Nobody. Well said. Thank you. One of the questions is about the poem Light Skin. And I want to talk about like my inference from it. Yeah, is the basis definitely. of this poem you experiencing mistreatment because you were of lighter skin? Could you talk more about that? Okay, so you see my family. They mostly brown skin, dark skin. Me and my mother and my sister, Carissa, is probably the light skin one, but I'm the only... Carissa have light skin. Carissa has light eyes, but I have real light eyes that change colors. So people would tease me and tell me I was not black. And then if I go, when I was in college, like, your dad white? And I would get that, your mom white? No. And then you would get people from my neighborhood calling me nigger or the N-word, but they want to fight me. People in my neighborhood wanted to fight me because I was light-skinned. And then you have white people treating me because I'm mixed or I'm black. So it's like, if I can't be black and I can't be white, who am I? Because my own people are denying it. Why am I fighting for the color of my skin? We Afro-American, but I'm fighting my own people because I'm lighter than them. Or they feel like I got a job because I'm light-skinned. Not knowing that we're Black and guess what? If I get in, you get in. Why are you looking at the color of the skin? So when a white person treats me with this way, you have a problem with it. But you're the only person that can treat me this way and I suppose they accept it. So when do I get to relax in my own skin? When do I get to relax as my own color? When do I get to relax as me? So that's why I always tell people, and that's why I always told y'all when y'all was growing up, you're God's child. That's it. That is really interesting. I'm curious to know, is there anything that was in the book that you were reluctant to share? I was reluctant to put in because those are my diary, in a sense, my scrapbook of how I feel. Give it, send it to somebody over your diary and let them read it. I was reluctant, but I was reminded you're helping someone else. This has to be put in. People get upset because you went a step further. They got tired and sat down too long and became complacent. You didn't. You got your extra one and you went further. So they are just as beautiful as you are. You know them, but their thorns stick out because they refuse to trust anybody. They don't want to give nobody another chance. Everyone is saying they done made their mark that everyone is this way and I'm not doing it because I'm tired of putting myself out there. So when I come around, you're my friend and you know how I am because we connected. But now I have to look at you different because you're not jealous or envy me. You're mad because you start fighting what you wanted to be. My last question is, out of all the poems, what is your favorite one and why? 
on purpose on purpose is one of those things when you want to be with somebody it can be love at first sight and you know they're leaving so everything you're doing is on purpose so that is my favorite it was fun so shana i don't get to speak to you much so this is for you so you have your own business tell me how did it start how did it come about and what is it about Basically, April of 2023, I quit my job because it was extremely emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. I was depressed and I didn't feel purposeful. And so I resigned from my job and I've always been spiritual. I've always been a believer. But I think that in 2023 is when I really reached a point in my relationship with God that I had never reached before. After I quit my job, I had a lot more time to focus on myself and my relationship with God. And through that, he revealed to me like what he wanted me to do with my life, and my career. And he gave me my business, which is now Faith Meets Goals. He wanted me to create a planner for people that wanted to grow financially, but include their spiritual life and their faith as well because there are a lot of planners and resources regarding finances but not a lot of them incorporate scripture not a lot of them incorporate your prayer life and it's really important that we do that so that's the vision that he gave me and I thought that I was just going to be making a planner honestly I thought I was just going to make a planner and that was just going to be the business and after I launched the business for my planner um, it's a 12 month planner with templates and trackers to guide you on your financial journey. After I launched it, it turned into a ministry. Can we be looking at a future minister on our hands? No. <laughs> I'm still not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. This is how God works. When you stagnant, God will shake up your world <clears throat> and put you in a place where he don't want you comfortable. He wants you to do what he wants you to do. You ask for help. So now he's like, okay. And now you, then I heard the word ministry. So it's like, okay. And faith, so it's called Faith Meets Goals. Faith Meets Goals. I have a question. You have recently posted something about pride mm -hmm. and goals. Tell me more about that. Because I thought it was really interesting. I want the viewers to hear what you said. I think it was great. What I said was that I have struggled and I still struggle with the spirit of pride. I think when people hear pride, they think, oh, you're being arrogant. You think you're better than people, like that type of pride. But for me, it's been pride in the fact of me always wanting to do things myself and not wanting to accept help from other people. But why is that? Why don't you want to accept help? Because what I see, and Tashana, this is a question for you too, because I always find that children don't like to ask for help from their parents and everything. It's like, we see they're struggling. It's like, we're not clueless. It's like, why don't you want to ask for help? Well, I'm a believer that most things are trauma responses. I think that habits that you create when you're a child in your adolescent years, they shape who you are as an adult. So it can just be little things that contribute to how you are. So for instance, if you are a people pleaser, it's probably likely that when you were a child, you were the good child and you got praise for always being good and things of that sort. So when you grow up, you continue to be a people pleaser because you are used to receiving praise for always doing the right thing, always being the good child, the golden child. I like what you said about when you're a child, you're a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that sometimes when, when a person is abused a lot mm -hmm. and being told no and 
keeps getting rejected. They always trying to find a way to please to fit in. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you came up with that concept because me being a people pleaser, I was different because I was the youngest. I was pushed aside and stuff like that. And so, so I was always trying to please people. I was always trying to fit in. And with light skin, always trying to fit in. I would stay in the sun trying to get dark because I wanted to fit in. Know that because it's also a sign of people pleasing. However, the other thing that takes me is that although it is a trauma, how do you turn that trauma into something positive? For instance, for me, me having the spirit of pride, I think that my pridefulness is stems from... Is it pride or is it stubbornness? I think it's pride only because... When I think of pride, I think of someone who is more confident in their own abilities, right? There's nothing wrong with being confident, but I think that sometimes we forget that God is in control. So there were certain things in my life where I wasn't even surrendering to God. I was just saying, I got it. I'm not going to talk to him about this because I got it. And I think that's pridefulness. I think that's different. We always taught you about God. So it's like when you don't want to do something and you don't want to adhere to what another person is saying, that is being stubborn, not being obedient, not being disciplined. Pride for me is knowing that you're wrong or knowing that you did wrong to somebody and don't want to say you're not saying that you, you're sorry mm-hmm. because, because you don't want to look like you were wrong. That's pride. Why do you That's pride because if I know I'm wrong, I don't want to look like I'm wrong. Let's like, Oh, I know you did a good job at work today. I know you arranged everything as good today, but my pride is not going to let me give you a compliment in front of everybody else because I don't want you to think that you're good when I don't like you, but what you did was good. That's pride. Stubbornness is that the Bible says, thou shalt not steal, and I'm more like life. Stubbornness is like, I know I don't know how to fix a flat tire. And because I'm mad at my husband or because I'm mad at my dad, I'm not going to call them to help me fix them. Just be stubborn and just do this. You're being stubborn. It's like you can call them. You just don't want to call them. You know, but you it's like, do why don't you want to call them? Like it all stems back to. Exactly. It has a little bit of pride, mm-hmm. but it's the borderline between pride and stubbornness. It's like everyone should have pride, but mm-hmm. pride is, becomes a sin when you think you're high and mighty. Mm hmm. And you think you're too good for anyone. I don't get that you ever felt like you were better than anyone. I think I, that sometimes as society, we take words and we make our own meaning of them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really big on like, if I use a word, I'm looking at the definition of the word. And like, I use it literally, right? So I'm mm-hmm. like, I think sometimes as society, there are words that we use that aren't even negative words, but they have negative connotations because of how they are society, how society right? right? So mm-hmm. when I think of pride, I'm thinking of it as the literal sense of like what the word means and not necessarily the negative connotation that the world uses it as. Right. You are struggling with envy and jealousy, but we don't want to attach that word to ourselves because it's such a negative word, right? But sometimes we need to be honest and say, no, this is something that I'm struggling with, but I'm going to God and he's going to work through me so that he can deliver me from that. I just like to be honest with myself. It is good. And you know what is? No, it's also good when you're bold. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I know that you struggle with, Mm -hmm. being bold. Mm -hmm. You know you could do this. Mm -hmm. But fear sets in. Mm-hmm. Because when you're on, you're on. You're gifting everything. And 
taking the rings, taking the chains and holding and saying, I got this. Because you're so diplomatic in the way you speak and how you carry yourself, it's effortless. So it's like the boldness when it comes out of you is enriching. Here's the thing, and I want y'all both to remember this. You listen to me, Amaya, okay? No one can make you mad. You make yourself mad. No one can get you angry. You get yourself angry. The only reason why you're angry or mad is because you're allowing something that you know that you will not tolerate to happen right in front of you. So always keep this in mind. If they are bold enough to do something and say something in front of you, don't care about their feelings. At this moment, they're not caring about yours, are they? So we need to meet aggression with aggression. But guess what? I'm going to be more diplomatic than it. I'm going, no, that's not what I said. What I said is what I said. And it is what it is. Okay, you don't like it. That that would be your problem because this is how I do it. Now you're not mad because you don't put this person in their place. And now you're good. For me now, like I was so stern, militant, but then I had to dial everything back and say, no, I like to have fun. I like to be nice. I like to be cool. I like to have chill time. But I still have that boldness of that militant way that when somebody talks to me or say something that I don't like and I'm disrespecting or not clear, no, that's not what I say. And don't be sorry about it. Don't regret it. Being bold, being beautiful, being right, be stepping into your own. That's what independence is. Stepping into your own belief and making things happen and saying, you know, no, this is what it is. And I'm standing on business. And what I love about both of you is that y'all know weaklings. Every child is different and every child takes their own time of growing and learning stuff. It's good to see when your children is stepping in because then we can let go. I can't let you cook on the stove until I know that you know how to turn off the fire and stuff like that. I know you know how to turn on the stove and turn it off. So I'm okay with leaving you and not watching you, supervising you do this. You understand? This is how parents act. As a parent, I like to see my kids be bold because it's like, now you're about to get it because they got a little bit of me, they got a little bit of their mother, and let's see what this is going to happen. For me, it happened through therapy and it happened when I became a mother. And I think it's going to happen for different people at different points in their lives. But I think after I became a mother, I kind of got this attitude like, I'm going to say how I feel and I'm going to be unapologetic about it, but I'm going to say it with love, of course. And then therapy also gave me that those tools as well to communicate it. So I think both of them are important. I think it's maturity. And I think it's also having the right tools because you can become mature, go to a place where you can express your feelings and express your emotions, but you may not know how to do it effectively. So that's why I think you also need therapy. Exactly. Closing questions. Amaya, how do you deal with being in a relationship and staying in control of who you are? I can honestly say I've been in that place. Forgetting about who you were or staying true to what you are and then being blinded by that other person. I feel like me finding that balance or staying true with myself has come from a lot of, I guess, reflecting and accepting of who I am and what I'm trying to do for myself and realizing that everything is not as it seems. Or just thinking that I have to love myself more than I love another person or the only person that can really make me happy is myself. And I feel like once you get to the place where you understand that and you're not looking for anybody else's validation or really seeking love elsewhere, then it becomes easy to manage. And I feel like being honest and transparent is another thing too. Got you, great. Sashana. Yes. Being a mom, Mm -hmm. having your own business, Mm -hmm. being a wife, 
How do you maintain the love for yourself? Well, to be honest, I don't really know what answer is expected, not from you, but in general from people. I don't know what they're going to expect people to say, but the real is that I'm still finding that balance. I still struggle to this day for finding time for myself and prioritizing myself. It's something that I'm constantly still working on, but I think that some things that I do is if I have to go in my closet and just sit there and pray or read my Bible or just letting Adrian know, like, mommy needs some time to herself, those types of things. But it's still a struggle, but I think that it's important to choose your partner wisely. Because I think a big part of that is if you are with someone that wants that for you. And I think a lot of times people are not with people that even care about them prioritizing themselves. I know that my partner, he encourages me to go out and do things for myself. He tells me all the time, like, you need a hobby. (laughs) Like, it's important to have a partner in your life that wants you to be happy within yourself. And so I think that if you are not in a healthy environment or a healthy situation where that's encouraged, it can be harder to prioritize yourself because there's nobody there holding you accountable. And you know what? That is the answer that is expected because (laughs) nobody knows how to do it all, but you're learning. And the best part about all of this and about both your answers is that you're going to live and learn. You learn as you go. Like nobody has the answer. Everything is different situations are different and you just got to do what you can when you can do it. So I want to thank you both for doing this for me and coming on sharing. And I'm definitely proud of both of you. Yeah, great. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having us. So Shana, how can people find you in your business? You can find me at Faith Meets Goals on YouTube, Faith Meets Goals on TikTok and Facebook as well. Any of that's faith, space, meets, face, goals. Any of thank you for having us. Thank you. Have enjoy your day. God bless. You Love you. Love you, Tim. Love ya. This has been another episode of Found Purpose. Remember, your spirit is never too broken, shattered, or damaged where it can't be fixed. Put God first and everything is fixable. Let's start healing in the spirit.